Well, we could sing the whole hymn, but then we wouldn't have any time to talk about it because it's 10 verses long. You're listening to Long Gospel Rumination Tuesday on this May the 21st in the year of our Lord 2019. And with us, of course, we have Pastor Mark Smith. Hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing really very good. I don't know if we're going to get through all 10 verses, but I'll tell you why it's kind of important I was unaware of this. Henry Gerke gave me a book on the hymns of Martin Luther. I see it there, yeah. And this was appeared in print in 1524, and it appears that it is the first congregational hymn huh. that he had ever written. Now, there was another hymn he wrote about the martyrdom of two young men, uh, I, I heard that sung at uh, Fort Wayne Theological Seminary. It's really tremendous, too. But um, what is interesting about this, it's almost autobiographical Yes. in nature. Yes, yes, you're right. At least it starts out that way. Yes, in the first stanzas. And why is it important to him? It is, what is true of Luther is, of course, true of every human being. All are sinners. And yet there still is a reason to rejoice. And the tune that uh, is mainly played is one that is well-suited uh, for this. It is. No, no doubt about that. Uh, according to another book I was taking a look at, it um, really portrays in a moving and forthright manner the course of Luther's early adult life. Right. From his entry into the Augustinian monastery to his attainment of complete peace. And this particular article ends this way. This hymn can unquestionably be considered the greatest confessional hymn of the Lutheran Church. Yeah, I would, you know, it, it, it talks about the whole, I mean, it talks about Luther's struggles. And then uh, from uh, verses 5 through 10, yep. it talks about Christ's answer to those struggles. Yes, in fact, I'm preaching today at the... Uh, LCMS International Center, so I'll be leaving a little early. But uh, I'm taking a look at Isaiah chapter 12 that basically does the same thing. Up to 11, the judgment of God is found everywhere. And then in 12, the Messiah appears. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, yeah it's just really... Uh, that's called long gospel. Yeah. And it's found everywhere in the scriptures and so you, such. So you have to suffer through... What, 11 chapters of law <laughs> before you finally get the gospel? <laughs> well, God wants us to suffer. Yeah, I, right. I know. Uh, yeah. that, that's the purpose of it, uh, preaching the law. Because it builds endurance, it builds character, and it produces hope. Well, not the law. No, the, uh, the suffering. Yes, the suffering, what it does, it produces depression that, because there is no hope with the law. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, um, one of the points made about chapter 12 of Isaiah is that what was being said there could never have been said in regard to the Mosaic laws and the ceremonies. It had to be the new covenant of Christ. It's really, but I, I'm going to be preaching that. Uh, by the way, I have an assignment tomorrow. I'm doing a funeral about 130 miles away at 10 a.m. So are you going to come in and do the program? No, I'm afraid not. Oh, that you have other signs. Afraid not. Right. No, I was not told anything about this. <laughs> That's right. Which is typical. <laughs> well, the Bible study I usually do, I already gave a copy 
uh-huh. to uh, the folks ahead of me, and they're going to be playing it. It's from two years ago, but uh, it'll, it'll fit real good. So, dear Christians, one and all rejoice, if you would be so kind to read the first stanza. Dear Christians, one and all rejoice with exaltation springing, and with united heart and voice and holy rapture singing. Proclaim the wonders God has done, how his right arm the victory won. What price our ransom cost him. It's a very similar item in Isaiah 12, where they're talking about the wonders that God has done. But in reading that, what what really um, helped me is he said, the wonders that God has done is not so much the miracles that Jesus did, because unless you were a believer, it had no impact on you. Right. But rather the work of the cross and the resurrection. The state of humiliation. the, The gospel. Now, you know, you have lady, and I do too, who do not think they're capable of witnessing because they're not trained in theology. And this is one of the reasons we have Rumination Tuesday. You can use this hymn. Yeah. Like you yeah. can use the Apostles' Creed right. or right. small oh, yeah. catechism. Oh, yeah. If you want. You see, when Luther writes a hymn, it's a sermon. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a sermon. In fact, it's a whole study. Yes. And it's all about the infallibility of the word of God. And what does it mean how his right arm the victory won? He's talking about Christ. Yes. Christ is the right right hand man of God, the right, right arm. Yeah, he ascended to the right hand. In Revelation 5, God the Father sitting on that throne, the ancient of days, and Jesus comes up and he sits beside him to the yes. right. Yes. And so that's really, yeah, we use that language too. Uh, even when we're not referring to the right arm, uh, you'll say, yes, I was uh, kind of in a little uh, argument, but I, I use my right, you know, which uh-huh. would be a really good <laughs> argument or something. Yeah. I'll read two. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly over me. Sin was my torment night and day. In sin my mother bore me, but daily deeper still I fell. My life became a living hell, so firmly sin possessed me. Now, how does this reflect young Luther? Well, he really struggled. You know, he, you know, in those days, sad to say, the medieval church, you know, the gospel was pretty rare. It really was. And he needed to hear it. I mean, the people needed to hear it. And... uh he was uh, overcome with his guilt. Uh, yeah, speaking of the gospel being rare, uh, Friday night I was out between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. doing Uber. Yeah. And one of the uh, women I picked up and took her home was a nurse. And, uh, of course, found out pretty quickly I was a pastor, and we started talking she had been in the Roman Catholic parochial school near um, South um, Lutheran High South. Oh, really? Is yes. that right? Yeah, she lived right near it, huh. and the school was there, too. And she said she left the church because she found one of these other churches, and they have praise songs and all yeah, this. Oh, yeah. But they did teach the Bible in a way that she had never heard. Mm-hmm from the Roman Catholic Parochial School. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you could probably point out some 
instructions by Lutheran pastors where they don't really... I, I heard a Lutheran pastor, you know what his annual instruction is? It starts at 10 a.m. Saturday morning and ends at 2 p.m. Saturday. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't see how I could get... I, I just started one last week. You know, I don't week. even teach confirmation on Saturday. When I grew up, you yeah, know, you know, every, right. we went Saturday confirmation. I'll tell you, you want to teach a kid to, 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 to despise confirmation, just have him come in every Saturday morning, the only day he has away from school. And yeah. have them go through confirmation instruction. I had a choice of my parents. I could go to confirmation Saturday or go to German school. I went to confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the hardest things there. That How did this guy ever get the people to commit for all those hours on Saturday? Saturday's the only, thing, only time you can get things done. Yeah, well, the parents like time away from the kids, too. Oh, in fact, I had another lady in my Uber, and she was railing against the idea that their kindergarten, where she was sending her child, was only a half day. He says, I send him in the morning, and by the time I get up and ready, he's already back. I don't get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was really happy when uh -huh. you know, it went full-time type of thing. Yeah. So. But um, this is really an experience that we wish every person would have. But a lot of people who are unbelievers still, they don't have sleepless nights. They feel good about themselves. They feel like... Uh, as long as they can pay their bills. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure Pontius Pilate felt that way and Herod felt that way. And certainly the Pharisees, because they were looked up. But we pray that they would suffer through this life. And that's where the law comes in. Would you read three? My own good works all came to naught, no grace or merit gaining. Free will against God's judgment fought, dead to all good remaining. My fears increased till sheer despair left only death to be my share. The pangs of hell I suffered. If that isn't a great summary of Lutheran theology in regard to good works, no good work could merit anything from God. And even my free will fought against God's judgment. That's all our free will can do. It That's right. It can't choose Christ. Well it, said. It cannot choose Christ. It can only choose to reject him. The Bible study I did on Sunday, I don't know if you'll remember, it was from the Heidelberg, and it was the phrase, Facura in quad est. Do what is in you the best you can, uh -huh. the Roman Catholics taught. And uh -huh. then God will give you more grace yeah. until you keep on working yeah. your way up until yeah. you're meet, saved. Meet him halfway. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Luther found out it was impossible. There's no way. No I would way. have hated to have been his confessor. Yeah. Because you would have been four <laughs> hours in there. Because <laughs> he would be confessing everything. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, according to John Stauppitz, you know, in the, in the Luther movie, he says, you know, I, I've been your father confessor, and I haven't heard anything interesting at all. Yeah. <laughs> compared to, you know, compared to others. Well, what I often say is it's impossible for us to confess all our sins because the majority of them are sins of omission, uh -huh. not yes. sins of commission. Yes. And because they're sins of omission, you're unaware of them. Oh, I know. 
Well, think if you had to list all your sins of omission, think of that. It'd well, you be, couldn't. It'd be impossible. Yeah, because It'd be an endless list. Yeah, because um, there's always something you could have done. Yes, exactly. Um, and and try and train your thoughts to not do a sin of <laughs> omission. Oh boy! All right, read four. But God had seen my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation. He turned to me a father's heart. He did not choose the easy part, but gave his dearest treasure. And who is that? Jesus, of course. Yeah, Jesus is the great treasure. And that's really important to understand. You find Jesus everywhere. Now, if... For my sermon today, Isaiah 12, it's not obvious that Jesus is in that, but I found him a number of times. Because Isaiah uses phrases, like the Holy One of Israel. Uh-huh. Isaiah himself in verse uh, chapter 48 refers to the Holy One of Israel not being the Father, but being the Son, God's Redeemer for uh-huh. us. Yes, And of course, it's Jesus who's referred to it. So you find Jesus oh, everywhere. All throughout the Old Testament. But you've got to really have a pastor who's trained in the original languages and such. Yeah, part of the thing I'm doing in the sermon is complaining against English translations that mislead us. And I gave, uh, giving a couple of examples. All right. Uh, five. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion. Then go, bright jewel of my crown, and bring to all salvation. From sin and sorrow set them free. Slay bitter death for them that they may live with you forever. Yes, I'm kind of surprised that the Bible verses affiliated with this hymn at the bottom of the page are from Psalms, 2 Timothy, Galatians, and Romans. You could put the whole New Testament right. down below that. Right. The whole gospel. <laughs> but also the Old Testament. When was it that the Father said to his beloved Son, bring salvation to all nations? I believe it was... Genesis 3.15. Well, true. But the Father speaking specifically to the Son is uh, Daniel... Oh, Daniel. 7. Uh-huh. The Ancient of Days says to the Son of Man, uh-huh. go to the world to redeem it. Yeah. Daniel, and, you say Daniel 7? Yes. I'll have to look that up. Oh, it's tremendous. You got the Ancient of Days. And then in Revelation 1, Jesus is described like the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7. With white hair. Yeah, and, right, you know, right. All that kind of sure. thing. And it really shows, I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. Fire. It's just really uh, tremendous there. Yeah, Daniel 7. 6. The son obeyed his father's will, was born a virgin mother. And God's good pleasure to fulfill, he came to be my brother. His royal power disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore to lead the devil captive. In the uh, first animal instruction I was giving this past week, I said, have you ever thought about Gabriel's attitude when God says, by the way, I want you to go and see this woman in Judea, and here's what I want you to tell her. And Gabriel says, tell her what? (laughs) (laughs) That she's going to have a child without a man. And that was Gabriel to Mary. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, the Bible is not sensible at all. 
It just isn't. <laughs> you tell them, Tom. <laughs> yes. You have to have faith to understand. God-given faith. God's the, God's well, the only the one that the gives you the faith to, to The Pharisees and scribes, some of them had it memorized, and yet they crucified him. Yeah. So even knowing the words, there's two levels, I believe. You have to have the right interpretation, but more importantly, you have to have, right, have the right application. So the interpretation comes from Scripture, interpret Scripture. The application comes from the use of law and gospel type of thing. God-given. God-given, yes. Seven. To me, he said, stay close to me. I am your rock and castle. Your ransom, I myself will be. For you, I strive and wrestle. For I am yours and you are mine. And where I am, you may remain. The foe shall not divide us. I like the way... It's very personal there, doesn't it? Yes. You stay close to me. I'm your rock. I'm your castle. Remember the great phrase by Professor Nagel, who said, who's running the... Verbs. Yes. And here is interesting. For I am yours and you are mine. He doesn't say, for you are mine, therefore I will be yours. Yeah, no, uh -uh. that's right. In fact, that's how the Ten Commandments start. A lot of people think the Ten Commandments are meant what to do to make God our God. But he starts off in Exodus 20, I am. I am the Lord your God. Your God. You want proof? I led you out of the land of Egypt. Yes. Therefore, when you have that relationship with me, you will not want to have any other gods before me. You'll not take my name in vain. Those are future indicatives. Yes. Those yes. aren't imperatives. Yes. They become imperatives and law because of sin. Mm -hmm. We just don't like it. I'll read eight. Though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life bereaving, all this I suffer for your good, be steadfast and believing. Life will from death the victory win. My innocence shall bear your sin, and you are blessed forever. Okay, who's talking there? Uh, it's Jesus talking, saying how Satan will shed, you know, Satan, Satan and his cohorts will shed his precious blood. On the, on the cross. I have a different thing. You do. Well, he just finished saying, the foe shall not divide us. And then he goes on to say, uh, speaking of the foe, though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life bereaving. Yeah. So that's, isn't that talking about uh, Satan and his enemies shedding Christ's precious blood on the cross? Yes. I took it to mean God the Father will shed my precious blood. Well, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, because God did put him on the cross. That is true. But he just finishes talking about the foe. Yeah. No, I think your point is better than mine. Of course. Yes. Oh, oh great <laughs> For one. For once. Oh, great one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot of times I'll ask the question, who was responsible for putting Jesus on the cross? Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, it's my sin and yeah, such. Others yeah. will say the devil. But yeah. the one who is really responsible is God the Father. God, right. Yes. That's right. Nine. Now to my Father I depart, from earth to heaven ascending, and heavenly wisdom to impart, the Holy Spirit sending. In trouble he will comfort you and teach you always to be true, and into truth shall guide you. Now, now he's talking about Pentecost. He's talking about um, you know his ascension, which is coming up. And in other words, he's talking about talks about the whole the, the whole, Apostles' Creed, right? Exactly. 
where you have he's ascended into heaven. Yeah. And then the third article is about the Holy Spirit that he's sending. What does he refer to the Holy Spirit that he's sending? As another... Holy Spirit saying, in trouble, he will comfort you as a comforter. Exactly. As a uh, comfort. In fact, Isaiah 12 does that very thing. It says, because of the Messiah, God's anger turned to comfort. Mm. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. And... See, that's the task of the pastor. A person comes in. I've learned to be quiet and really hear what they think their problem yeah, is. Yeah. Because the first few minutes, that's not really it. Right. It's just a part of it. Until you get to the point where, okay, this is what's really bothering me. And then you need to find the proper Bible verses of promises right. to create the comfort right. that God so does. That's how you apply law yeah. and gospel. So, why don't you read the last stanza? Surprisingly, we got through. What I on earth have done and taught, guide all your life and teaching. So shall the kingdom's work be, be wrought and honored in your preaching. But watch, lest foes with base alloy the heavenly treasure should destroy. This final word I leave you. Now, who's speaking there? Um, let me think now. What I on earth have done? I think that's Christ. Yes. Yeah. And to whom is he speaking? He's talking to his disciples. No. Well, all of his disciples, including us. Listen to this. What I on earth have done and taught. So shall the kingdom's work be wrought and honored in your... Preaching. Oh, he's talking to pastors? He's talking to Luther. Oh. This is what makes this autobiographical. Oh, I see. So shall the kingdom... He talked to Luther in the first verses. Watch this, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. How about that? So he comes back to Luther personally there. Exactly. Yeah. But the reason we sing it is because every one of us endure all this. Right. Did you figure out who the author was? Martin Luther. Oh, very good. Yes. Okay, yes. I was listening to your promo before the show. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> if you had it, you no, would have I known. knew it. No, I knew it anyway. It just it just sounds like it. Even the music is is you know Martin Luther. You know I'm you know when I read through these verses, I can hardly read them without singing them. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to sing them when I when I read them. That's interesting because there's actually three different tunes that this really is, yeah. Three different, no kidding. Yes. We sing the best, I hope. Um, well, the way they uh, describe the the tunes, let me just look that up here. Um, this anonymous, sturdy, and beautiful tune that appeared in the text uh, occurred in 1524. But there are two other ones that also uh, did occur... But they're not as well used. This hmm. one seems to have something in it that makes you really want to sing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I agree. I know what they're talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's got gusto. Got gusto. Gusto. You better get going. You got to preach. I got to preach. Yeah. I forgot about I get so excited about this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to keep on playing the hymn. And... Uh, God bless.
Everything for this Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.